The Marching Roundtable is proud to be an official media partner of Drum Corps International and Music for All. This podcast is sponsored by FJM, Fred J. Miller Incorporated. FJM is the leader in marching arts uniform manufacturing and continues to lead the charge through groundbreaking design, superior service, and over 60 years of industry innovation. The Cesario collection of marching band uniforms is 100% machine washable, includes a limited lifetime warranty, and makes the fitting process a breeze with their Adjust-A-Cuff and Adjust-A-Hem technology. Now is the perfect time to create a new image for your program. Chat with a live FJM representative or schedule your complimentary consultation today at fjminc.com roundtable. That's fjminc.com slash roundtable. Fred J. Miller Incorporated, family owned and operated since 1960. Hey everybody, it's Tim Hinton, the beast of the marching arts, and I'm here with Elliot Cleveland, Dr. Elliot Cleveland from Marching Health. Elliot, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Tim? I'm good. I have to tell you, everybody, I'm a little bit nervous because <laughs> I don't know what's about to happen. Elliot, you, we were talking about um, podcast uh, topics that we could do in conjunction with Marching Health. We did a fantastic conversation with um, Dr. Adam Gallenberg about um, physical and mental health. Everybody look for that at uh, Marching Arts Education and at Marching Roundtable. So, Elliot, you said, I have this idea that you're going to interview me, and I don't or normally ever in this position, so I don't even know what I'm in for, everybody. So so what am I in for, Elliot? <laughs> have you ever done a reverse interview, Tim? Like, only just a couple. It's very, very okay. rare. And all these, like, thousand of, of interviews I've had, I've only been interviewed myself maybe two or three times, I think, maybe four. Oh, man, this is going to be fun, then. So... I just based on our conversations previously and seeing you as the beast of the marching arts, very quickly realized, man, Tim is in pretty good shape. Well, thank I you. wonder if there's a topic we could do here together with marching health and ask Tim about his own personal health journey because you've lived the life that our audience is currently in as band directors or music educators, and we know that it is the most important thing for them to take care of themselves. I am a big believer that band directors are CEOs of their organization. They're at the top. And without the CEO, the organization falls apart and doesn't have direction. And the CEO has to be healthy. You have to be willing to put yourself first in order to give back to other people. Right, but um, our, our, our society does not, that's not the message we get. The message is, first off, you can't have all of it. You know, if you're going to have be really successful, then your health may have to suffer or your wife may hate you. You know, like all these things. Um, and then none of that's true. You can actually do all of it. And I totally agree with you. If you're not taking care of yourself, you can't bring your best to your students. Yeah. And, you know, it's our own fault. We are altruistic human beings. I'm in healthcare. Tim was in education. You're all in education. And I think those two career paths, healthcare and education, are naturally people who want to help others. And it's a double-edged sword because our greatest strength is our ability to help others and put others first. Our greatest weakness is that we put others first. <laughs> it can be. So we have to be willing to prioritize ourselves in that process. So um, a couple of years ago, my friend Chris Bentz started this page, Band Directors for Better Health. And he thought it would just be a couple dozen friends who hop in this community and then they'd be able to encourage one another in prioritizing their own health so that they can be the best band director and the most energized band director for their students. And 
within a matter of months, it had 2,000 members. So the need is there. And Tim, I want to talk to you because you've obviously lived the band director life. You take care of your health. We need to figure out how we can help other band directors do the same and have both fulfilling personal lives and fulfilling careers at the same time. Yeah, I'm very happy to talk about it. If anything I can share can help somebody, that's my whole thing. You know, that's why we really started this whole podcast and and everything in the beginning was um, there are things people need to know and let's make sure that it's available if possible. So, yeah, I mean, if my conversation today with you can help somebody figure this out, that would be great. (laughs) Awesome. So, Tim, my first question is take us through your band director teaching journey so people know the actual backstory of you in the profession. Okay, sure. I went to the University of Tennessee when I graduated. I actually spent the summer, <laughs> the summer when I was supposed to be out looking for a job, I spent the summer on the road with the Phantom Regiment as a visual tech. Um, and my parents were very distressed about this, but I did come off the road enough to find a job. I started teaching, taught two years in North Carolina at a very small school, and then um, eight more years at Dunwoody High School in Atlanta. So I taught for 10 years, and then I burned out as a band director. And but at the whole time I was doing that, I was also doing arrangements, uh, always writing the show for my own band, writing concert marches for my own band. Like I was writing for my own group and then people started asking me to write for them. And so at the point where I burned out and I was like, I can't, I didn't do Like there's a lot of lessons I learned there. That could be a whole nother podcast. But anyway, the, 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 when I figured out that I needed to do something else, I realized all these people were asking me to write shows for them. And so when I started reaching out and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I had almost a full time, a full load immediately, which was, I was very grateful for, but I did teach at the high school level. I also taught some middle school and some chorus in the mix and all that. Um, but I did teach for 10 years. And then for the last, I have to say it 30 years. Ah, yes. I started a very, very tiny child. Everybody. I was a, I was a prodigy. No, no but anyway, <laughs> the last 30 years I've been doing what I do, which is, um, writing arrangements, writing drill, show consultation, um, program coordination, and then started the podcast 12 years ago, and then the video portion at Marching Arts Education about four years ago. So I want to go back into those first 10 years then, because I hear from people all the time that band directors are not just doing their band director job. There's a lot of people who have multiple plates that they're juggling, whether it is drill design and being a band director, or they do arrangements, and they're still a full-time band director at a often very successful programs. So let's just discuss what, what the responsibilities often are in those roles and do it from your perspective and your story. Tell us all that you did while you were a band director. What were the after school commitments? What were the writing, you know, thresholds that you hit as far as how many were you actually doing at the same time? Cause you're not alone. <laughs> it might seem insane looking back saying I did all this all at once. Right. Well, I think so- your band directors know that they, they wear about a hundred hats, right? I mean, you're everything from the janitor to a a mental health consultant to, you know, uh, a teacher to a musician to, you know, so it's endless. I mean, I literally, I could not sit here and start listing off all the things that I do, but all band directors know how busy they are. Um, you're, you're managing parents, you're managing a parent organization, you're doing budgets, you're doing administrative stuff at school. You're dealing with all the school responsibilities. I had bus duty. I had lunch duty in the middle of everything else that was happening. Um, but I think like a lot of people that do extra stuff, 
I loved doing it. I've always liked writing arrangements. Started writing arrangements when I was in college, and my old high school band would play would play them occasionally. And that was a super thrill. So I started doing that work really, really early, and it's just fun. So I think people that write drill on the side or they write arrangements, they just like doing it. You know, I I loved writing the shows for my own band. So even though it was extra work, I didn't feel like that was the part that was difficult. That was sort of like my fun time. You know, hey, I'm going to write a drill for somebody else, and I love doing that. I'm going to take some of my summer. That doesn't feel um, like, you know, is the same way that, oh, gosh, I have another band booster meeting tonight, and everybody's always getting into arguments because I wasn't good at managing parents, <laughs> for example. So I think that's the part that gets to people. Um, so, yes, the, the responsibilities were huge. But not, not to jump ahead, but I, I knew that I had to get exercise and take care of myself. And I've been a gym guy since I was in high school and, and started working out all through college. So I knew that that was something that I needed to do. I had to take time for. Um, so do you want me to jump ahead to that or am I? Well, how far into your career did you start prioritizing that? Or did you prioritize it from day one? I prioritized it from day one because since the time I was about 15 years old, I wanted to be a big muscular guy because I grew up. Uh, Elliot as a little shrimpy guy, right? I was the, I was the, yeah, I mean, I was the, the, like, I looked like I was 12 when I was a, a junior in high school. You know, I was one of those guys that was really a late bloomer. Um, I was picked on and bullied about it and I always hated it. So from the time I was in high school, I got a weight set for Christmas and I knew, and I also was a fan of um, you know, bodybuilding. I followed that sport my whole life. And I was like, I want to look like these guys, you know, not only because I was being bullied and that was hard and I hated being a little shrimpy guy, but also I just loved the way that looked like, man, that is, that's what a man should look like. You know, I mean, they, they look healthy and they look strong and I wanted that. So I started working out in high school, worked out all the way through college. So even in my first little school off in a tiny little town, I was taking time to go work out. Um, I've known from the beginning that that was part of my my mental health as well as physical health thing. So from the very beginning, I was always doing that. I've always been motivated to, um, you know, enjoy. I enjoy going to the gym, sweating, feeling my muscles work, getting that pump. Like I enjoy that whole process. It makes me, it gives me a lot of confidence. Sort of like the way you feel if you know when your band does really well or you play a great performance on a concert or whatever. I get that from the gym. It's, it's taught me a lot of self confidence and discipline and all those things that I think band also teaches us. So I've had that the whole time. Um, so from the very beginning, I've been prioritizing that because I knew that if I didn't stop to do that, that I wasn't healthy and I needed to, I got to tell you the main thing, Elliot, is I needed a stress buster. I used to call, yes. I used to call going, to, I used to go to the gym every night at 8 PM. This was what I did for years and years when I was, when I was a band director is I would work all day. I would go to the marching. I don't know how I had time or, or the energy, but I would even do a marching practice after school. I would drag myself home, have dinner exhausted from the day and go to the gym at 8 PM. And one of the ways mm -hmm. I did that, it was at least three nights a week. I had a workout partner that met me there. So I was responsible for showing up for somebody that got me there. And I also knew that I, it was my stress buster. I would go in and no offense, anybody don't, don't feel bad about this, but like I would picture that band parent that was stressing me out and I'm sitting there pitch pressing like, arr, arr. I was just like getting the stress out. This is for you, Mr. So-and-so, you know, and, but it was my way to get that out. And then I would go home with this great gym pump, take a shower and sleep like a baby every single night. So I went to the gym pretty much every night during the week and it was my stress buster from my long day. And it's amazing now that I think about it, that I had any energy at all. I mean, of course I was a younger guy, but like I did the whole day getting up early, teaching all day, 
outdoor marching band practice in the heat. And I would still make it to the gym because I knew I loved it. It was my time for me and it made me feel great. And I slept great. There's so much to unpack in that. that you <laughs> just I mean, it's part of your story. So you just blew right through it. So I totally <laughs> identify with you on the bullying side. Yeah. When I was in like elementary and early middle school, I was a very chunky kid, like wore multiple sizes into husky pants wow. kind of deal. Wow. And my two best friends, I was trying to be, you know, in with the cool athletes. And my two best friends basically abandoned me and even made up a song called Elliot's So Fat. And it was that, that was the tipping point for me. Wait, 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 said, they abandoned you. Why? Because I wasn't in the in shape like the other kids were. My oh my God. You know, in sixth grade, when you have to run the mile, you got to do pull ups and you got to yeah. do push ups. My mile time was twice what my friends were. They all lapped me and laughed as they went by. I was huddled over, crump, like crouched over with Aww. a cramp Aww. the whole, whole time. I still remember the time. <laughs> it's in like just branded into my brain. Then couldn't do a single, but like I was the kid that just put his hands up and then the, the listen, coach. That, that's what I remember, Ellie. I remember how humiliating it was that a whole gym, little elementary school gym class is standing around for the national physical fitness thing. And how many pull-ups can you do? And there's this one superstar athlete guy that's doing like 20. I could not do a single pull-up. And they made us yeah. do this in front of everybody. It was a humiliating setup, right? And yes, I was yes. bullied too. It's fascinating. I never would have guessed you were a chunky kid. But the point is, we both had the, I was a super skinny little shrimpy kid, and I got the same abuse for it because we weren't, uh, we weren't athletes and we weren't, uh, you know, and so, so did that motivate you to start working yeah. out? So honestly, now looking back, I wouldn't even be in healthcare if that hadn't happened. Wow. Like if, if I hadn't had to go through bullying and learn how to stand up for myself in the yeah, process, right, right. I would not be doing what I'm doing right now. So yeah. I'm in a lot of ways grateful for that moment because as soon as it happened, I realized I got to do something about this. There is, you know, there's part meanness when people are doing something like that, but then oftentimes there might be a little bit of truth or a decent bit of truth to be oh, sure. able to sort of out. So looking in the mirror, I was just thankful that at that age, um, my parents were supportive of me, but also um, they let me handle the bullying on my own and, um, yeah. didn't intervene and didn't hover over that. They let me step up for, and stand up for myself. And then there was an elliptical in our house and I literally just got on it. And every day I, I had no concept of exercise. We didn't at that age, but every day I would do as much as I could. I'd get up to the 20 minute mark and then I'd do as low as I could on a push up until my arms were shaking. Right. And I did that for about three months. And then finally I could do sets of push ups. Right. Um, and I was just obsessed with never having that made fun of feeling again over something that small, but th th was that ingrained in you? Yeah. You know, I love, I love asking people what their stories are, what got them started in their exercise journey. I love those stories. Like there's, I love talking to people in the gym. Hey, what got you in the gym? Oh, well this happened to me. Right. And most people have this really interesting story, usually something sort of humiliating or, or dramatic, but I still feel like it's a catalyst. And I will say the other thing too, is that, because of that bullying I had as a young kid, being this little shrimpy kid, band was sort of the, my salvation um, because that's where I w excelled. And I was a big deal in band right from the very beginning. Like I was always good at it. I was great on my French horn. I'm winning awards. I'm going to Allstate Band, all this stuff. I became somebody important that people liked in the band. And that saved me through that bullying time. 
But I still remember how I hate everything you just said. Yeah, absolutely. We all find our place, right? And a lot of us find it in band. It's in band. Everybody's accepted, hopefully, however they are. And yeah, you can be the chunky kid or the shrimpy kid. You know, I was a little shrimpy, skinny guy, and I still was drum major of the band and was in charge. And I did a great job, you know. And so, like, this is part of where I I learned that discipline. And I also mentioned, I've said this, you can find the podcast where I talked to my old band director, David Coles. You can find that on the marching round table. I've, I went back and thanked him because he was the first teacher I also had who sort of saw me for exactly who I was and thought I was okay and made me feel like I was okay. And here I am. I mean, Ellie, not only am I this little shrimpy kid, but I'm also this little shrimpy gay kid, of course. So I had that sort of piled on to the abuse. Um, but I found my place and I was being physically fit a lot of it through band, you know, um, until, like I said, until I got into high school, got that weight set and started working toward that body that I wanted to have. Not only did I want it to be, I said this before, but I'll say it again. Not only did I want to be that guy that nobody can make fun of, you know, like I like walking into a room and I've got some, some size and presence on me. And I feel like, you know, nobody's going to abuse me today. Like I'm, I've got some presence and some confidence from that physicality. Right. But also I just love the way it looks. You know, I, I like the way. People look when they're fit. Like, I find that really attractive, and I wanted that, too. Um, and I also wanted to be fit, like you said, going back for my students. You know, I realized if I can't make it through a whole day and then make it through a whole afternoon band rehearsal in the heat, um, I'm not doing my best job for those kids. And you and I are both helpers, and we want to be there for them and do our best work. Absolutely. Now, I think one of the biggest things that I notice about you is your discipline in everything you do. And discipline is something that starts with one task, that you achieve one thing, and then it has a snowball effect that rolls into an avalanche. It's one thing, then the next thing. And you talked about this a little bit, that at 15 years old, you started building that discipline. And it's going to be something different for each of us. Maybe it's starting your day by making your bed and just making yourself do something at the beginning of the day. Or... For like for us, it's just being consistent on doing something physical. So was this something that you instantly went from never having exercise to now I'm just going to show up every day and do a little workout? Or was it something where you had to prioritize your schedule and rearrange it so that you could make it make sense and be disciplined with it? What hurdles did you have in that process? Are we talking about high school when I started lifting? Yeah. Well, first of all. First of all, I will say that I think I learned that discipline by having to practice my horn. I started on the French horn. I started playing, playing piano and took piano lessons in second grade. I was just one of these super musical kids, Elliot. They couldn't keep me off the piano. So finally, even though it was too young, second grade, I started taking lessons. And then I had to practice. If they're going to pay for those lessons. And then I started the French horn in fourth grade. And I had to practice. We had to fill out practice cards. you know. And so I think that's where I learned the discipline of, even if I don't want to do it, I've got to go in here for 30 minutes and do this thing. Right. I've got to go sit at that piano or I've got to go sit down and play my French horn. And I'm doing both of those, by the way, Elliot. That's an hour out of my day. Right. <laughs> yeah. But but I loved it. I mean, I enjoyed doing it. But there were days I didn't want to go in there. I'm a little kid. I, there are days I didn't want. I'd rather be out now on the yard running around with my friends. But um, that's where I feel like the real discipline came in. So by the time it came around to um, time to work out, I feel like I had that discipline. And the other things, too, is that I didn't feel like um, that was hard for me because I wanted it so bad. Like, I wanted it so bad that taking that time to go down to the basement where my weight set was and put some weights on and work, like, I looked forward to that because I'm like, this is getting, I'm working toward what I want. And I truly believed and understood that if I would go down there consistently and lift, I would get stronger, my body would get 
would get stronger and look better. So it, that wasn't hard for me. You know, maybe I did just always been a super passionate, disciplined guy. Um, and yes, I think having learned the discipline through music was very, very helpful. But having to go down and work out, that wasn't, I, nobody ever had to drag me down there. I did that completely on my own. My parents never were a part of that part. They never said, hey, you're going to work out today. I was just down there. I think the key to, to what you just said is it was what you truly wanted. That goal was so big that you knew that's what you needed to go for. Yeah, it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard to get motivated to do it because I wanted it that bad. Yes, I wanted it that bad. And I can tell you that I've, I honestly felt like that for the last 40 years. Like I've, I've, I've considered myself a bodybuilder in the gym the last 40, 40 of the last 50 years, say, Jesus. Everybody I started is very tied challenge. I said, no, uh, but <clears throat> no, but really like when I started in high school, I, I, I felt that same passion and motivation and that drive I, I want this body. I want to look a certain way. I want to feel strong. I want to be healthy. I want to have stamina. Like all that was something that was the drive I had the whole time. Now that's not going to be everybody's drive. No, no, no. I understand that's not typical. Right. I, I think the key though, is that you had a goal that was worth achieving. And there's a lot of people who it may not be bodybuilding, but maybe it's that they don't want to have another back injury so that they don't have to sit out or miss time. Or maybe they want to be healthy for their kids. And they have to set this just obnoxiously large goal for what they want their future to look like in order for them to embrace the suffering it takes to get to that. Yeah, but don't you think that's required? I don't know if anybody can do anything at a really high level if they don't have some sort of real passion or drive or real strong reason for doing it. Because I think, honestly, Elliot, if we're true, if we're really honest... Most people walking around on the planet do not have this kind of drive we're talking about. They do not have this kind of motivation. They do not work that hard. I go to the gym and I see the, the big, huge guys who are really into it. That's not typical, you know, yeah. but I do. That's okay. Everybody doesn't have to have that. Right. But you do need to have, as you said, you do need to have some reason for showing up. And I think a lot of people are like, I want to have that dessert. So I'm going to go get on that treadmill or. Um, I want to, like you said, I want to be strong. I want to be able to play with my grandkids or whatever. I can tell you now, sort of fast forwarding, I'm at the age now when I get up every day, I'm super tight and things are hurting, right? Not like hurting like I can't walk across the floor, but like I have to now, it's interesting, my, my, my biggest discipline challenge right now in my life as an older guy is I have to make myself stretch and move my body every morning within the first hour or two. And as soon as I do some of that dynamic stretching and get my hamstrings loosened up and my hips and everything that I wake up every day with them super tight, part of it's because I went to the gym the day before, but part of it's also that I'm not 20, right? But that's yeah. my big challenge right now in my life. I know I sort of fast forwarded, but like I have to make myself do that smart dynamic stretching, which I learned through martial arts training, which I'm, that's something else we haven't talked about yet. But um, I do that every single day because if I don't, I pay for it. You know, the afternoon, yeah. my back's hurting. Why is my back hurting today? Oh, I didn't stop and do my stretching this morning like I'm supposed to. So that's my new discipline. And that's out of necessity, sort of like you're saying, this is sort of my, I have to do this to be feel good and to get through my day and to take care of myself. That's not nearly as much fun as I'm going to go bench press 225 for 20 today to, you know, feel big and strong. Like that's <laughs> fun to me. Doing the stretching <laughs> is like a job. Yeah. And that's the thing you have to push through every day. Yeah. And I have, it's almost like different phases of life. Early on, I was the same way as you. 
there's a little bit more vanity involved in going and working out and That's wanting okay. to look good. That's okay. Now I'm a young parent and I'm self-employed and exercising to me is more for preventing injuries and maintaining health and staying healthy. And then I talk to a lot of band directors who are 50 or older and they come to me and say, Elliot, what, what are three to five exercises I can do first thing in the morning to just stay limber and prolong my career Great. or stay healthy? Kind of like what you're talking, how do I shake out some of the stiffness and soreness each day? Yeah. And that, so that goal can change over time. It doesn't just have to be this one thing that you latch onto forever. It can morph with how you evolve as a person. Yeah, and I would speak to what you just said by saying, you know, everybody has many people talk about that day where they they just they're just bending down to get something, and suddenly their back goes out, or you know, they sneeze, and then suddenly their hip, you know, that didn't happen overnight. Like we've all had that experience, you know. And but but I've always like, oh, okay, now I know why this happened because I haven't been on my discipline. I, I slacked up or whatever. Because like you said, you want to be able to bend down and pick up your kids, play, roll around the floor. That takes some work. You, you know, people say, I'm just going to get that from playing with my kids. Uh, maybe, I don't know. What no, do you think, Ellie? No. I don't think so. Okay, this is what I do. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I went through orthopedic and sports residency. Day in and day out, I treat these people and I treat high-level athletes. And the thing that we see is muscle density and muscle mass is one of the biggest predictors of long-term health. Yes, It's also one of the biggest predictors of not getting injured in the first place. Yeah. And some people, just like you said, the snowball effect works the opposite way too. If yeah. you say, you know what, just walking around school and doing my day-to-day tasks are enough. It may feel like that for a week or two. And then your mind starts to get softer into that and think it's okay. And then two or three years down the road, that's when it hits you. And you realize, crap, I haven't, I know why this back injury happened to me, or I know why I tried to just go jump over something that I used to be able to jump over or run like I used to be able to, and it didn't work out like I thought it was going to because I haven't done those movements in so long. Your body and your mind are very much a, if you don't use it, you lose it scenario. Yeah, And that happens quicker as we age and we get busier because we yes. just, time goes by quicker. It, it seems to just continue to speed up. It does. Time goes by quicker, and we're also doing more, and spend, we have more things that we're spending time on. At least I feel that way, and I hope that that's the case for people. Um, to put, I want to make sure we put what you just said into plain language. Listen, everybody, it's okay to, to do that walk. It's great. You need to be moving, right? So wherever you are, start with something. Take that walk after dinner. Do a little bit of whatever. But ultimately, if you want to have a body that's going to function and service you the way you want, you want to be able to get through your day without pain and without hurting yourself, you have to do some strength training. That means you need to move some weights in some way, or you need to do some sort of squat movement or something. You need to work your body in a way that makes your muscles stronger and more dense. That's what you said. And I'm going to make sure that's clear, Elliot, because a lot of people do say, I'm moving. I'm going for that walk. I'm taking the dogs for walking. That's awesome. But if you really want to not be injured and to have the body that services you the way you really want to, you really want to be able to pick up your grandkid without worrying about it or your child or go out and play or do that band rehearsal, climb up that ladder, um, you know, all those things that we do in our work, you need to do some strength training. And it doesn't have to be an hour in the gym bodybuilding like I would want to do. It can just be some basic movements. And Elliot, you have you have a whole website at Marching Health full of instruction about this that I love. But I want to make sure people understand this. You can't just do your job and be okay, probably. 
Yes. And it's funny you said it doesn't have to be an hour. My wife makes fun of me. I don't know if I've told you this, Tim. I am notorious for going and literally just doing one exercise and leaving the gym where I know I have to show up yes. and I have to pick up something heavy and put it back down like a caveman. <laughs> and that's what's going to maintain my muscle mass over time. This is very recent, but the big data in hospitalizations due to COVID that has come out in the past couple of years, the people who got out of the ICU the fastest were the ones with the most muscle mass. Of course. Mm-hmm. Right. We think that's obvious to us. <laughs> okay. And maybe, I'm, I'm sorry. That's so obvious to me. But yeah, you know, it's so funny. It's like like this horrible thing just happened to this football player, you know, on the field the other day recently. But I, I my takeaway was, man, if there's anybody that's going to be doing okay, it's this guy. He's a professional athlete. He's working his body. He's lifting. He's doing all this stuff. This, this is who I think we should all want to be. Like something's going to happen to us in our life. Um, and like, let's have the most advantage to get through it as possible. I like to think that if I go to that, to the gym every day for 45 minutes or whatever I'm doing, or like you, just go out in my garage, pick up the weights I have there and do a couple things that all pays off. Yes. <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned him specifically, Damar Hamlin, for those who don't know, had serious cardiac arrest on the field. Yeah. Had, his heart wasn't beating for a while, had, um, a numerous amount of CPR and resuscitations contributed on the field to save his life. He's already back in the Bills facility. Like, should not be alive, and he's already back because his body was able to heal so quickly. Right, but he, he's, had, he's got the body of a professional athlete. His body is in peak condition. Now, I don't know what happened to cause him to have that terrible event happen that was so traumatic for all of us, but that makes our point. And our point is, if you want to be able to survive whatever may come to you, right? Um, give yourself that advantage. Uh, so Elliot, how did you make the turn from, I'm a, I'm a little chunky kid and I want to be in shape so I'm not made fun of and I want a better body, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm going to make myself do this. When did it become something that you enjoyed? It didn't become something I enjoyed until I became good at something else. So what I mean by that is I hated getting on the elliptical in my living room at eight o'clock every night from eight to eight twenty, while my parents sat on the couch and watched Jag and I'm sitting there sweating. Jag is like old 1990s oh, yeah. TV show. That's a good um, show. Which I, I came to love because I sat there and watched it so much or sorry, it didn't sit there, but it was moving. Um, after doing that. And like I said, just trying to figure out how to do push-ups and teach myself how to do them. Then the next time we had the fitness test, Elliot knocked out 25 push-ups. And then all of a sudden, my mile time was cut down by three minutes. And I was keeping up with the kids who made fun of me. And then I went out on the basketball court, which was my first love. I wanted to be an NBA player until I stopped growing and didn't, you know, quite have the athleticism <laughs> I needed. But I didn't know that about you. So basketball was your real thing you loved. Oh, I was obsessed with basketball, Tim. Um, but the problem was when I was that chunky kid, I thought that playing the video game version would get me far enough. (laughs) And so I didn't get out on the court. But then after three months of doing push-ups and getting on the elliptical, all of a sudden I was in the starting lineup on my basketball team now. Oh, it's awesome. I could keep up. Like, defensively, I could cover anybody on the court because I I had the endurance to do so. Um, And that 
started this discipline that I'd never had. I mean, you're talking from birth to 11, there was no reason to have discipline. You could just go be a kid. And then in middle school, this discipline started to develop to exercise. And then my dad says, I was a huge Toronto Raptors fan, Vince Carter specifically, who was this insane slam dunker in the NBA. And I thought he was the greatest athlete I'd ever seen. Well, my family went to beach where he was to the beach every year where he was from. And he hosted a basketball camp there. And I wanted to be on the middle school basketball team so bad. That was my dream. I said, I'm going to save up for the Vince Carter basketball camp. And at that time, my allowance was like $10 a month if I did all my chores. And it was a $255 camp. And my dad said, jokingly one day, yeah, if you save up and can pay for it yourself, I'll let you go. I saved up for over two years, didn't spend a dollar, and went to him one day in eighth grade. I, I told you I started this in sixth. I went to him and said, here's my $255, and here's the camp registration form filled out. And he just sat there with his jaw on his desk. And that discipline started because I just started doing something. Some, like Tim said, just do something every single day. Yeah. You have to build the discipline. You have to start somewhere. You have to build the discipline. Even if it's just, I'm going to go for a walk every single day after dinner, or I'm going to go out and get those dumbbells and do one set of curls or one set of lifts, like just something, you're starting to build the the discipline. And and not not to interrupt your story, but, you know, it's what is it like after 10 times it becomes a habit? I mean, to be be mastery, you have to do it 10,000 times, I think it is. But for it to become a habit, you just have to do it like 10 times. So that's mm-hmm. like less than two weeks of making yourself go out every day at a certain time and do this thing. It's going to become a habit of something you do. Anyway, Elliot, this is amazing. I love your story of going to the camp. So tell me what happened at the camp. So two weeks before the camp hit, and I'd saved up for two years, I got in this terrible four-wheeler accident. And I couldn't actually practice basketball for two weeks. I was basically bedbound for a week and then just walking for the second week. And then had to jump into this basketball camp. During those two weeks of being immobile, I happened to look down at my drum pad and drumsticks and be like, I guess I'll sit here and practice. And I'd never applied that discipline to music before. And then in two weeks, I got better more than my two years of pre- previous like middle school band. Wow. And mid-camp, I was like, I wasn't doing great. I wasn't standing out at the camp. But all of a sudden, I was standing out, coming home from the camp and practicing for an hour on my drum pad and went, wait a second, I just sight read this entire book top to bottom and can play it really well. And then showed up to band camp in a couple weeks after that. And they're like, who's this freshman that is actually hanging over here, can do some things, isn't just showing up like all the other eighth graders. And so then that discipline from sixth grade workouts to saving my money for a basketball camp now turned into daily practice in the band world. And so that's why I became what I did on snare drum. Wow. That's a lot. That's fantastic. And and this is the thing, everybody is like, are you hearing this? Like you just, you start to build the habit of being disciplined somewhere. And it's it, like you said, it grows to, it goes to everything else, Right even just doing that report for school or anything that you want to do, but you have to build that habit of, of learning how to do that. And I don't think it's that hard, Elliot, because like you said, once you start to have some success 
and you start to realize, oh, wow, everybody's talking about my arms look big, or everybody's talking about how well I'm drumming, or everybody's talking about whatever, or even just anybody comments. Now, I remember when I first started really seriously trying to do the gym thing, and and I would show up on Friday, on Fridays at teacher days, we were allowed to wear our school polo, right? So rather than wearing my coat, my, my tie and my long sleeve dress shirt, I wore my band polo on Fridays. And I like a couple teachers would comment, man, you look really good. Have you been hitting the gym or whatever? Like that was huge for me. Just a couple of comments made me feel like, wow, this is really working. Cause you know, when you look in the mirror, you don't always see what you really look like. That's one of those whole other things we can discuss, but it's nice to get feedback. By the way, everybody, if you are on a fitness journey, I'm going to take an aside here and tell you to take pictures because you don't see yourself correctly in the mirror. So take a picture today and then take another picture in a month and compare them and you will see, oh, there's that progress that maybe you don't see if you look in the mirror. Um, Because I don't know about you, Ellie, but some days I look in the mirror and I think that I am, you know, Mr. Olympia with all the muscles in the world. The next day I look in the mirror and I see that junior high kid that has not a, a stitch of muscle on his body. So the mind is plays tricks. But anyway, that was a little aside. But I love that we're talking about the discipline. Um, for me, I felt, I knew I felt better if I kept showing up. So I kept showing up. Like if I didn't, I didn't sleep as well if I didn't go to the gym that day. I mean, I, that's just true yeah. for me to this day. The day I go to the gym and I sweat and I work, which I hope is most days, or I'm doing some martial arts training now or whatever, I work my body hard, I sleep better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I want to push into that. And then you mentioned early on, I don't even knew, know if at 15 you called it mental health, but you knew this was helping your mental health. And Adam and I talked last week on the Mental Health Physical Health podcast where he said, I hadn't heard this before, but he said, um, when he and I teach, I preface everything I do with we're going to build your mental resiliency through this and it's going to suck a bit. You're going to have to learn to push through it, but I just want you to push one more percent today. And then the next day, push one more percent past that. And he said, exercise has to be a part of mental health because physiologically, when you stress your body through exercise, it produces cortisol, the stress hormone. And you're, you learn how to accommodate and adapt to stress better mentally by making your physical self adapt to stress. And I didn't know know that at a young age. I just knew I was doing pretty well handling stressors. I think you were talking about the same thing, whether that was at 15 or whether that was early in your career. Yeah, no, no, there's no doubt about it. And listen, the fact that I know that I can get under a bench, you know, get on the, lay down on the bench for us. There's a, pl- there's a bar up there with two plates on either side, right? And that's scary. And part, listen, part of being in the gym and learning to move heavy weights is you have to get under it. This is, I wrote a whole blog post about this, but like, this is the, this is the concept you're discussing is you learn to get pushed past the pe- by, push, push past the fear. So I just tell people, well, you have to get under the bar. In fact, Elliot, one of the techniques they use is if somebody's trying to say bench two plates, that's, that's like a major goal for a lot of weightlifters, right? Bodybuilders things. So you want to get two plates on each side. That's like a major goal. You, the, even before you can do it, you put them on and you lay on it and somebody spots you and you take it off and you bring it down and then you can't push it up. But you are under the bar. You put yourself in the stressful situation. You put yourself. What's that called, Tim? Exercise wise. It's called a negative. You have True. to put yourself 
in a negative situation, that's, literally. That is true, doing a negative. If you take the bar off and you bring it down really slow, that's called a negative. And then you may not have the, the strength to push it back up. But my point is you put yourself in the situation where you're, you're, you're like, this is, it's really scary. I mean, when you know that you can't lift it and you're laying under that bar, you're going to bring it down. Um, obviously, you do this, like I said, in a safe environment with someone there to spot you, to help you pull it back up, whatever. But um, that's part of it is you, you, you learn that you can be a little bit fearful and you can be in the situation and you're going to be okay. And this is sort of what you're talking about is you learn that you can handle scary things. And there's no doubt that me pushing through pain and, and fear of not being able to lift something. If you put a bar on your back and you're going to go down, you're going to squat and that's really heavy. Like that is a stressor. But my body, as you said, my body learns how to handle. I learn how to handle how that feels. And then when I'm about to walk out and, and my band's about to get rated for a festival performance and I'm nervous, I know that feeling in my body and I know I can get through that, right? I've had that sort of fight or, fight or flight cortisone thing going on. Um, this is very powerful stuff. You know, it's sort of mm -hmm. like we tell people, just go to that audition for a drum corps. Even if you know you're not going to make it, put yourself in the situation. You'll learn so much and you'll have had that experience. There's a million examples of that. What is it? Put yourself in a situation where you know you're going to fail so, so that you realize the failure isn't that bad? Well, right. And and also failure is not a horrible thing. I mean, like it's part of it, right? Like it's it's part of how this works. You can't play that phrase, but you have to you practice it until you can. You're failing it first. The same thing happens with the thing. Like the first time you get under a, a heavy weight, you probably may not make it or you're not going to do as many as you want or whatever. You, you're, you're learning to put yourself in a situation and push through. And that's part of what band and weightlifting and all of it has done for me. It's okay to fail and it's okay to put yourself in that situation. You're going to live through it. That's very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. And our friend Chris Bentz, who started the Band Directors for Better Health page, he has his own story, how it hit him, where he had to turn his health around in the middle of his career. But the thing that he's seeing now is as he promotes his own health journey and he conquers some of these things that we're talking about out loud, his students are joining in and they're respecting it more. And I think based on what I've talked about with Dr. Gallenberg, where this young generation was hit with social media. They don't know a world without it. The data is very clear that anxiety and depression spiked at the same time social media came into the world. And we've also seen PE standards lower during that exact same time. So these this young generation has both happening at the same time against them. We can be the examples to them and give them tools through marching band where they're outside getting sunlight, being in a community and getting physical exercise to be able to build their own health habits. So it's not just about us. Once we learn to take care of ourselves, we can use that as a tool to give back to others even more. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. This is a little bit of an aside, but um, I do think band directors are role models for a lot of kids, and they know. They're paying attention. Um, and it was amazing. Um, my, me being a serious lifter and, and a serious bodybuilder and really working on my body and showing up every day in shape. And the kids knew I was, you know, I was working out and all that. Like that made a difference. That impact. I had kids that started their fitness journey because of mine. And Elliot, I have to tell you, like, it feels weird kind of tooting my own horn, but like I've had many clients, band directors that I've worked with, even as like an arranger or a show consultant or a clinician um, who have shared with me that, 
I sort of inspired them. And like, that's crazy. Like I, I had a client that I showed up and did a clinic with his band and, you know, I show up and I'm in shape and I look good and I got, I got a lot of energy. And this was somebody that was really struggling with their weight. And the next time I saw them, they had lost like 150 pounds. And they literally said to me that they did that. They, I was the motivation for starting that. And that just flabbergasted me because I never, like, I never thought of that I could have that kind of impact on someone's life. It's incredibly flattering. Um, but the point is, uh, you are a role model. They watch how you interact with other teachers. They watch how you how you are going through your day. How are you treating people? Um, are you being healthy? What are you eating for lunch? They're watching and paying attention to all this stuff and mimicking it. Because, you know, this is how kids do. They mimic their parents and they mimic uh, role models and adults, people that are impressive to them, that they have respect for. That's a responsibility, Elliot, that I think we all need to take seriously. Yes, and you said they're watching how you treat others. They're also watching how you treat yourself. No doubt. Absolutely so, thank, no doubt. Thank you so much, Tim, for taking the time to share your story and open up about a lot of that. I think I thought that was a ton of fun to hear <laughs> your backstory that most people may not know. I certainly didn't know it. No, it was really fun, and I love that you shared some of your story, too. Thank you for your honesty and your candor. Um, I, if anybody gets anything out of this conversation, I hope so. Listen, everybody, just start somewhere, build that discipline. Um, believe me, if you get in the habit of it, um, my life is so much better because I do that exercise and I feel healthy and I know I can get through the day um, in good shape without a lot of fear. You know, like, like I know that my body can do the things I need it to do, um, the super fun things, too, and the stressful things. So, Elliot, this was fun. Thank you. Absolutely. And reach out to either of us if you need somebody to help you in, along in the journey and figure out a place to get started. Yeah, of course. Everybody go to Marching Health. There's tons of resources there. If you're trying to figure out where to start, some basic exercises, as he mentioned, uh, or things that your band can use, of course. Go to Marching Health and check that out. Um, and there are other resources and podcasts I've done about this at Marching Roundtable or Marching Arts Education. Just put health or fitness or wellness or eating or whatever. Put those words in the search bar and you'll find all kinds of content. Thanks, Elliot. This was fun. Thank you.